Confrontation is one of those sticky things that many people shy away from because they prefer the path of least resistance. By the way, I am in that group. One of the ironies about this ministry and what we do, the content that we produce, I mean, it is in some ways confrontational. It is it is asking us to address our relationship with God and with each other, to obey the two great commandments, to love God and others more than ourselves. And this content is for me first and foremost. Uh, actually, the resources that I produce are devotional resources. These are things that I have been talking to the Lord about, things that I have been addressing in my own life. And so this entire website, what you're reading, is my devotional over the past 14 years. But sometimes we find ourselves in situations to where the relationships that we have within our immediate sphere of influence is not what we want. And I am in that crowd as far as one of those who prefers the path of least resistance. I do not like conflict. I really don't. Never have. And I would imagine at this stage in the game, I never will. And so, I mean, some people will actually rationalize why get in a dust up with someone when feelings are hurt and the relationship may change forever. Those are legitimate concerns. And we have to we have to deal with these tensions that we have when difficulties come between two people. Of course, the answer to the why get into a dust-up is quite obvious because our allegiance must be to God foremost, and honoring His Word is essential to fortify that relationship with God. The Lord and His Word are inseparable, and so if we really want to honor Him, and if we really want to line up and be allegiant to him, uh, then, well, honoring his word is essential. And so, therefore, when there is conflict between two people, we must respond biblically to that. And ultimately, as Christians, we should not have any other choice. And so the question then becomes, what are a few biblical tips when you find yourself in the undesirable place of a potential confrontation? Hello, everyone. This is Rick Thomas. You're listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. I want to get into this sticky situation, and I want to share with you 10 tips for your consideration, and they're in a sequential order, so I trust that they will help you to think through logically and sequentially uh, if you're in that place or, or sense the need that God is compelling you that you need to confront someone about something. Maybe this short list will be a benefit to you. Now, please understand, this is not an exhaustive list. And also, I realize that every situation is different. And so we really can't codify an article, a podcast, or a book and say, this is one size fits all. We have codified this, go and do this, and everything will be fine. You also want to be nomadic. And what I mean by that is that you want to walk in the Spirit. And so I don't want you to legalistically follow this list because it may not be perfectly adaptable to any situation that you find yourself in. However, these are some considerations, and that's why I titled the podcast episode 398, 
10 things to consider when you confront someone. And again, this is not an exhaustive list. Now, if you want to read the show notes, just go to episode 398 of our website and you will find the show notes. I have a one-hour video on the a webinar on the doctrine of repentance to talk about how to repent. I have some other links inside this bulleted list that I'm working through. And so go to episode 398 and I think you will find a lot of benefit. All right, so let me get into these 10 considerations in sequential order. By the way, at the end of it, I I want to give you four additional ideas or thoughts to think about uh, as you uh, process this whole notion of confronting somebody else. All right, so number one, this is always first. Now, this is non-negotiable. This applies to every situation is that you have to address your heart first. You have to address your heart first. And one of the ways that I would present that to you is to ask you, do you respect this person as a fellow image bearer? I'm not asking you if you love the person. I'm not asking you if you're going to go have coffee with the individual. I'm not, going to, I'm not asking you if you're going to be besties forever. No, I'm asking you the most raw and basic and ontological question, do you have respect as a to uh, uh, respect this person as a fellow image bearer ontologically we're all made in the image of god even though we're totally depraved and even though uh, we can be preferentially so different from each other that we never associate with each other we still must respect people whether they're in the body of christ or not and james 3 chapter 3 verses 9 and 10 speaks to that and so before you go and confront anyone you must do the work with the Lord to make sure that you have a reasonable amount of respect for this person. And it would not be wise to, if your respect for this person is floundering, uh, then it would not be wise to go into a confrontational situation. Because if you do, your corrective care may have an edge on it that you cannot camouflage. I mean, you may think that you are presenting yourself as though you have affection or you respect this person, but when, when there is something wrong between two people, uh, it's kind of obvious. I mean, we see the signals, we know what the countenance looks like, and we can sense that there's something wrong between us. And you want to make sure that they are not perceiving any kind of unkindness or impatience or disrespect for them. And so sometimes before you ever correct a person, you need to spend adequate time in the closet to regain that respect minimally at the most raw and basic ontological level as a fellow image bearer. Never confront someone that you do not have at least that respect for. And so number one, address your heart. Number two, recognize that you have limited knowledge. God is omniscient. God knows everything. God is omniscient and we are not. And no matter what you know or no no matter what you think you know, 
You do not know the whole story. That is absolutely impossible to know everything that you need to know about this situation. And so we want to make sure that we're not looking at any kind of conflict like where we are looking through a tube, which is going to give us a narrow scope of what we need to know. Uh, We want to ask God to give us a peripheral vision, a broad spectrum of understanding of this matter, because again, you're doing something that's not just tedious, but it can be relationally damaging, and ultimately it could dishonor God if we go in thinking that that we have all the answers and that we're fully aware of exactly uh, what happened, and so recognize that we have limited knowledge. And so the question that I would ask you is, do you have a healthy dose of self-suspicion? Now, I want to put some guardrails on that because I would not want you to cave to morbid doubt or insecurity or double-mindedness as as James talked about. And some people are given to that. They're given to insecurity, and they can they can move like the waves. They can move like the wind because they're given to insecurity and doubt. And so I don't want to put the seed of doubt about what you know, but I do want to. Uh, in one ditch, it's, we can be overly insecure, and then in the over, other ditch, we can be overly confident. Well, only God is omniscient, so we can't go in that ditch. And then we don't want to jump in the double-minded ditch. And so somewhere in the middle is a healthy dose of self-suspicion that we're not fully aware of what's going on. Now, because of that, point number three, you may want to talk to a mentor, and I titled it Mentor, a, a Discipler. What I'm talking about is that it's not wrong to gain the perspective of someone who has gone farther down the road than you have. Someone who is more mature. They have more wisdom than you do. They have more competence in God's Word than you do. And they also have the courage to speak into your life in a compassionate way, meaning they're not going to rubber stamp you. You, you know, sometimes what we can do is that we can pick alliances. We can pick people on our team and we can share the story about somebody else. Uh, But that person on our team might not have more wisdom than you, might not have more competence than you. And and more than likely, they will not have the courage and they will, what they will do is they will empathize with you or commiserate with you and they will not advance the cause at all because they're not farther down the road than you are. And so if you respect the offender, the person who has uh, supposedly sinned against you, and you desire a redemptive conclusion to this matter, then talking to someone else is not gossip. It's not slander if you quietly share with one other person to gain their perspective. Because point number two is you have limited knowledge. And so if you have a healthy dose of self-suspicion, then it may be wise to go talk uh, to someone else about this, but don't fall into the trap of thinking, well, then I'm gossiping about that other person who has sinned against me. No, if you have respect for this person, you will talk to the your mentor or your discipler in, in such a way that it will be 
obvious that you you respect this person who has sinned against you, but you are unsure about the situation, so you're seeking a counsel, you're seeking advice, and so you're going to someone who is mature. Now, if you go to two or three or four people about this thing, then you're just a gossiper. Uh, because that is that's just gossiping. That's just spreading. That's taking this person's reputation and their and, and spreading or 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 taking their reputation through the mud because you're just talking to so many different people. And that is sinful on itself, which would have to be dealt with. But to talk to at least one other person uh, that could prove it's not necessary, but it could prove to be wise. Number three, talk to a mentor. Number four, now you have recognized that you have limited knowledge and you have talked to someone else, and you come to point number four, and you say, hey, maybe I can overlook this. Maybe I can just let it rest. I don't have to confront this person. Sometimes you can overlook an offense, and sometimes that can prove wisdom. Let me give you an example. You want to discern with the person, is this an episode, or is this a pattern in this individual's life that speaks to a a rooted character flaw? Parents do this all the time. Parents are constantly, or should be, constantly overlooking uh, what their children do. Children children are like us. They're born to sin. And because uh, they they are, are so unwieldy and because uh, they don't have the maturity, they're going to sin a lot. Uh, many times during the day, many times during an hour. And if you're not careful, you can nickel and dime a child to death. And so what you want to do is look at the child and see what is the trajectory of this child? Are they moving in a good direction? I mean, is this just an episode? Uh, is this a short series? Is, is this a mini series? <laughs> or is this a, a long form, unending uh, uh, TV series with multiple seasons in it? But if if it is an episode or a mini series and it's probably going to come to an end, they're just in a rough patch. Well, you, you can overlook that. You can overlook that. But then if it's, an, if it's a pattern in their lives and it really speaks to rooted character flaws, or if it's some heinous consequential sin that really has to be confronted and you absolutely can't overlook it, but perhaps you can let it pass. And perhaps if you let it pass this time, it could prove to be wise. I mean, we all mess up. And so distinguish between an episode or miniseries versus a pattern and a, a long series that has multiple seasons that speaks to rooted character flaws. Number four, overlook the offense. Number five, always remember what the biggest sin is when you're confronting someone. Never forget that you put Christ on the cross. I put Christ on the cross, and whatever this person did to you, it does not equal the most heinous of all crimes. And if God has forgiven you of the most heinous of all crimes, then move very carefully as you confront this person because you're well aware that God has granted so much mercy to you. The text of Scripture is Matthew 18, where we find the man forgiven of so much, and he went out and beat the huda out of the person who owed so little. The most heinous crime is, is the crime that we have committed against God Almighty. And if you have been forgiven, then we should walk humbly as we confront people who have committed lesser crimes against us. Now, please, I do understand what, I, what I'm saying here. I mean, I, many of you know parts or all of my story, but I, I uh, 
came from an abusive, uh, physically abusive, verbally abusive uh, father, parenting situation. I had two brothers who were murdered, and there were several, uh, many other things that have happened in my life. And so I, I know that sin can be consequentially hard to work through. I get, I get that. But nothing transcends, nothing comes close to the most heinous crime, and that's our sin against Christ. And because of that, it levels our hearts down. It, it takes the temperature down just a little bit to give us enough humility to recognize that if God has forgiven us, and there's great hope for this person, and I want to move into this situation with hope. And so number five, remember the biggest sin. Number six, ask questions. The statement maker already knows the answers. Go back to point number two, where I talked about limited knowledge. Don't be that person. You won't be that person if you ask questions. The question asker wants to confront with humility seeking to be a learner. This is a teachable moment for the confronter permitting the other person to explain while realizing that I don't know everything, point number two, limited knowledge. Therefore, if you really believe that you don't know everything, then you're going to ask questions and not just launch in with a whole bunch of statements. You did this and you did that. I, I'm not sure. You probably have been confronted that way before where someone has come right into the situation telling you exactly what happened. And some of them will even tell you what your motives were while you were doing that thing. Well, that doesn't help, and that will immediately put that individual on their heels, and the temptation for them will be strong to be defensive. And so if you go in as a statement maker, as the omniscient one, well, that's not the approach that you want. And so go in humbly asking questions, and then after you have gained their perspective, and you can even repeat that back to them, is this what you're saying? Is this what I hear you saying? And you you are 90 to 95% sure now of exactly what happened. You have gained more clarity, and, and you have affirmed that it's a legitimate offense that you cannot overlook. Well, then you can be more direct at that point. Number six, ask questions. Don't be a statement maker. Number seven, what depends on you? This is right out of the playbook in Romans 12, verse number 18. You do all that you can do that depends on you. Never forget that your job is to water and plant, not to cause the growth. Uh, this is uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 6, where Paul says, Apollos watered and Paul planted, but God gives the increase. He gives the growth. And so you must not over-try this situation. You must not over-care the moment. If you over-steer the car, over-try the situation, over-care the moment, then it's going to feel like that. And that individual is going to feel manipulated or coerced. They could feel unheard. They could feel like there's only one right answer because you are trying so hard to create an outcome when you're not you're you're not you're crossing the line from watering and planting to growth and so you're taking that plant and you say I'm going to plant you I'm going to water you and I'm going to grab you by the stem and yank you up and I'm going to make you grow you won't you'll kill it 
you'll kill it dead. And so you want to do what depends upon you to be at peace with this person. Recognize your limitations, recognize the parameters, what your responsibility is. We call this primary and secondary cause in theology. God is the primary cause agent. He is the one that grants repentance, according to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 and 25. God is the one that grants repentance. We can't cause growth, and we can't dispense repentance. And I know many parents would like to say, I wish I could dispense repentance. Here, here's some repentance for you, and now you can be changed. That's not how it works. But sometimes, because we overcare the situation, and, and that usually happens with people who are close to us. I was just telling someone on our forum uh, this past week, I think, that uh, this person is dealing with a family matter, and, and they struggle like I struggle. Uh, they can overcare, and when you're over-concerned about a matter, you're going to be over-responsible, and when you're over-responsible, you're going to start doing God's job for him, and I put that in air quotes because ultimately we can't do God's job, but it will feel like that as we try to make people change, and that is a that is not a place uh, for any of us to be. Now, there's a way for you to gauge yourself to see if you are over-trying this situation, and that is as you examine the rest that you have in, our, in your soul. God gives rest to his children. His burden is light, and you can rest even in a storm. I mean, when things are going uh, undesirable for you, uh, it is possible to have peace, a peace that transcends our understanding. Uh, You can rest in a storm, uh, and God gives a rest for the children of God, as we read in Hebrews 4, verses 1 through 11. And so if you don't have that rest, if you're not at peace, then that is a signal to you that you need to tamp the brakes just a little bit, bring this thing down to work within the limits that God has given you, and the only thing that he is asking you, you water, you plant, number seven, what depends on you. Number eight, you may have to take this up the chain. If the person does not respond biblically to your humble correction, your corrective care, you'll have to determine at this point if you need to bring another person into the situation or you have done all that you can do in the matter and now I am going to let it go. Now, remember what I said earlier, these are pneumatic points here. And so you want to walk in the spirit and you'll have to discern this yourself because your situation, my situation are uniquely different. They are not the same. Nobody's situation is the same. And that's why you can't codify this episode. This is episode, by the way, 398. If you want to jump over and get these bullet points that I'm sharing with you, but you can't codify this. And so you want to customize it. And if this person is not repentant in the moment, then you may want to take it up the chain and you want to talk to another individual or you can let it go. But if you believe that there must be reconciliation and it's not happening because this person's resistant and they're not listening, this is not a teachable moment for them. They're not being humble. Uh, It is objective as far as what they did and they do need to repent, but they are not repenting. Then what you want to do is go back to the original person. You remember that mentor uh, that I talked about earlier, that was point number three. And so you're keeping the circle tight. The circle of information is tight, and that is always essential. Because think about this. If you t- 
tell uh, two, three, four people about this. And let's say at some future date, three weeks from now, this person repents, but you don't remember all the people that you told about this or all the people that they told about this. And so you're the only one that knows that this person has repented, but yet you have tarnished their reputation. And so all these other people are going to have, when that person's name comes up, they're going to think about what they, they're going to think about the last thing that they knew about that individual, that that person's a sinner, that person did this. And well, you, well, you know what he did. I don't think I'd want to hang around with him, not knowing that this person has already repented, has come legitimately, authentically clean from the sin that he has committed. That's why you have to keep the communication circle very tight. And so point number eight is go up the chain, but let that be the person that you have already confided in confidentially and say, hey, this is what I did. I took your advice. I worked through it. I believe I was supposed to confront, so I did. It did not go well. The person was not responsive to what I said. And so, hey, would you come back? Would you come with me so that we can uh, meet that person again? And then point number nine, still no repentance. If the person refuses to change after your second attempt, then you'll have to decide if you can let it rest at this point, or if not, then you must continue to bring more people into the situation, and I would ask you just follow the template of, of Matthew 18, 15 through 17. It kind of gives an outline uh, from an application perspective. Your situation might not put you in a local church, but it does give you a little process that you can apply, and there's a hundred other verses that you can apply, uh, but you want to bring other people in, and then you decide what it's going to look like to continue in this process. By the way, I have a one-hour webinar here called The Doctrine of Repentance, and so if you want to know what repentance looks like, it would be worth your time. The only cost to you would be like watching a TV show, and so you watch a TV show all the time, and so you can watch this one-hour webinar, and it really lays out the process of repentance in a, a very thorough way. And so number nine, there's still no repentance, then you'll have to dis determine if you're going to follow a template to continue to push this, and that leads right into number 10. Uh, that's where you want to seek pastoral care, assuming that you're part of a local church. At this juncture, you want to get a pastor involved. If the original person you talk to about this is not the pastor, I mean, maybe that is the pastor, but a pastor's responsibility is to care for his sheep, and that is a reciprocal responsibility because the sheep need to keep the pastor informed about what's going on. Don't expect the pastor to read your mind, read your email, know exactly what's going on in your life because he's caring for a lot of sheep. And so it's on the sheep to let the pastor know. And you have a situation that's untenable. It needs to be reconciled. You've gone through these sequences that I've talked about here, and there's still no reconciliation. Uh, then you want to talk to the pastor of the local church. This is episode 398. I've just given you 10 things to consider when you confront someone. And now, uh, for bonus tips, I want to share with you uh, four more to think about as you work through this. Number one, and they're not in any particular order, even even though the first 10 tips were. So the first thing I want you to consider is that the offender does not negotiate repentance. 
the person who committed the crime, the person who did the sin doesn't negotiate repentance. And you'll find that with some people that, well, I, I will, I'll do this under these conditions. That's not what repentance looks like. If you want to see what repentance looks like, then read Luke 15, starting at verse 17 and following, where the prodigal son came to his senses And then when he did, he just went to his father and said, I'm no longer worthy to be your father. Basically, it's unconditional surrender. And that's the kind of attitude that you're looking for, for a a guilty person who wants to walk out repentance. But if they're hem-hawing and negotiating, want to negotiate their repentance, then the person is not humble, they're not teachable, and it that they're not at a place of repentance, and so the offenders do not negotiate repentance. Number two, if they retaliate to you confronting them, which does happen, then please bow out of the conversation and the confrontation. Not only that, tell somebody about it. Go back to your mentor, for example. It's critical for you to be safe in this situation. If you confront someone, and depending on the level of hostility that we're talking about, your safety is vital, and so you make sure that you're safe. Don't fall for the thing that, well, I'm just gossiping. No, I've covered that. It's reasonable to talk to one other person who's farther down the road and make sure that you're safe if they retaliate. Number three, Three, you may lose a friendship, but this is what I want you to consider. If you lose a friendship over this, then you never really had the friendship that you thought you had because this person has deeply rooted character flaws that maybe you did not perceive, but now uh, they're coming, these character issues with this person, assuming that your assessment was right about the offense, then consider this God's mercy to you. How kind of God to bring this conflict into your life to reveal these things that were previously hidden to help you to recognize that uh, this is not the friend that I thought that we had because friends will, true friends will reconcile. And like if you were in a dating relationship, for example, and God brought these things out before you married this person, that is a tremendous mercy of God. But any other context, it's very similar. It's God's kindness to you to bring these things out. And then finally, be grateful, be at peace for obeying the Lord, His enabling for you to confront. He gave you the grace to do that. Thank God for what he is doing in your life and be grateful and be at peace for this process that you have gone through. Episode 398, thanks so much for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.